Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Stephen Kukoulos, welcome back, mate. G'day, Mark. Great to be back, and what a month we've just had. What a month ahead of us. There's <laughs> just data's flying around all over the joint, not just locally, but you know, domestically, I should say, but globally. Yep. You know, and everyone's been terrified of a of a recession, um, and of course, the US GDP numbers came out, and it looks pretty good. It doesn't look like they're going to go into negative GDP anyway, so or growth, negative growth, so. What do you make of it so far, mate? Yeah, well, despite the rate hikes from the Fed, and they've hiked more than us. Yeah. Uh, we saw the June quarter, the second quarter GDP figures coming in at 2.4% annualised rate of economic growth. That's plus 2.4. Yep. That's And for the US economy, that's a long way from a recession. So despite the rate hikes, consumers are still spending, businesses are still investing. So a lot of that, um, what do we call it, the IT spending, artificial intelligence, all that sort of stuff is really driving the economy. So the big corporations, you know, the the massive five um, tech companies are still investing. That's GDP. They're still hiring. US unemployment's like ours in Australia, around about 3.5%. So in a funny way, it's a bit like the Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too cold, just right. And the inflation rate's coming down as well. So, you know, I think the US might just get through this, period of really aggressive rate hikes, growing at a slower pace, but no recession, unemployment probably ticking up, but not too much. So that's that's important. Just go back a step. If inflation is coming down, it's quite a lot down relative to Australia. Yeah. Inflation in the US is only three and a half or something so like that. Down to three. It's gone from 9% in the middle of last year down to three. Right, three. Big fall. Big and fall. what's interesting about that, yeah. um, Steve, is that uh, – and, and one of my theses is about all the inflation is all the inflation has been imported and it's all supply chain style inflation because what's interesting about that is you it's I think it's fair enough to say and I'm interested to hear what you've got to say about this that the interest rate increase regime in the US which has been far more aggressive and started far earlier than we did in Australia and is much higher didn't have a big impact on people in terms of spending, et cetera, because they have a fixed rate environment there. Uh, I was, yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. Correct. We know that the bulk of mortgages in the US are 30-year fixed. So these rate hikes from the Fed doesn't worry me. I took out my loan five years ago and I've got 25 years to go if I'm a US citizen. Yep. And so I've locked in my rate. Uh, so, so I'm still paying the same rate today. Correct, as I so, was five years ago when I took out my loan. Correct. So, so your interest rate, rate rise is. have done nothing to me. Correct. What they've impacted is the business sector, uh, 
They impact on the US dollar too, because as the US dollar goes up and, you know, with the Aussie dollar's gone down, as the US dollar goes up, it's actually a constraint on their economy. It actually dampens their export sector, which is one way to slow the economy down. Having said all that, the impact of rate hikes also shows up in what we might call uh, for investors an asset allocation decision. The US 10-year government bond, sort of linked to their monetary policy interest rate, is now 4%. So if I'm an investor sitting there, well, I invest in stocks or bonds getting 4% pretty much risk-free. So as interest rates go up, I'll take my money out of the stock market, stock market falls, uh, you get a wealth effect, and as people feel less wealthy, that's how it can show up on consumers because the US, I think, is the highest per capita ownership of stocks in the world. So if the value of your portfolio drops by 10 15%, you might think, oh, damn it, I'm not going to spend as much. So that's the other transmission mechanism in the US, whereas in Australia, you're quite right. We've got 80 85% of mortgages are floating, variable. So when the RBA here tweaks them up, you, you pay it, and that's how it works. So we get a really more dramatic and quicker impact which is why the RBA, one reason why they haven't hiked as much as the US. They don't need to. They, and they didn't need to. So yes. the US is still looking like they're going to continue to grow at a reasonable clip, uh, you yep. know, two and a reasonable. half. Reasonable. Yep. Well, better still, they're not going to go in a recession, looks yep. like it at the moment. That's that's a good talk, story. Two, they may not put interest rates up again. Well, they may not need to put interest rates up again, yep. given where inflation is looking as, as heading in the right direction. Um, but also, we're not going to import their inflation into Australia anymore because if they've got their inflation under control, Correct. we're not importing their inflation to our country. Correct. The other big issue too is, and we don't look at it as much as we should, although some of us do, China. China is actually slowing down. Yeah. It, it was locked down for a long time uh, for, for COVID. It reopened late last year. They had a burst of growth in the first part of 2023. They're now slowing again. And they've got really bad demographics. They've got actually population falling. And so what that means is that the construction sector is weak. We're seeing in commodity prices coming down. And Chinese inflation is zero. Yeah, unlike the rest of us are fighting inflation, they've got no inflation. They're cutting interest rates in China. And for the Western world, we import goods, manufactured goods, you know, electronics and clothing and all this other stuff from China or whatever. And if they've got low or zero inflation there, they're going to be exporting that to Australia. In fact, when we look at our most recent inflation data here, you can see things like household furniture and things like that. Prices are actually coming down. They fell only at you know, 0.2%, 0.3%. But we're starting to see the early stages of that disinflation in China, the slowing inflation in the US, impacting our economy. And that's why when our inflation number came out uh, uh, earlier this week, it was a good result. It was lower than market expected. At 6%. Correct. So how important is it in any thesis around what's going to happen with inflation in Australia and therefore what's going to happen with the interest rates in, in Australia in the future. In any thesis, how important is the imported inflation in the argument? In other words, what we're importing from the US, what we import from – we don't import much from Europe or the, or the UK, to be frank, but it's mostly China and the US. Yep. So they're both heading in the right direction. In fact, China looks a bit scary in some respects. It looks bit, like yes. it's going to the yeah. Japanese level, which, yeah. you know, we don't want. But no. from our point of view here, sitting here in this country, it's not a bad thing for us if we can import stuff cheaper Correct. over time. Correct. If, if we can get those goods that are manufactured 
in China, a lot of the electronic goods are like the tech stuff that we get from the US and machinery and equipment, that like sort of high tech stuff. And also raw uh, materials out of the US. Indeed, indeed. Well, well, we had Bill sitting here talking about <laughs> the, the cost of timber and things like that for yes. building and construction. Correct. Big deal. It's a big deal. And even like oil price, the global oil price. And see, that's something that's driven by not even the US or China as such. You know, it's it's, a, it's the output from the Middle East and other countries as well. So, uh, and even though the oil price has kicked up a bit the last week or two, it's still way down on where it was 18 months ago. Remember, we got to 120 yep. US dollars a barrel. It's now about 80. It got to 70 a bit before. So it's up 10 bucks a barrel, but whatever. But it's not, it's still lower than it was. So all that news from the global economy filters in to what we are paying at the petrol pump, what we're paying in the supermarket, what we're paying for it. You know, the big retailers when we buy clothing and furniture and electronic goods. And in that June quarter CPI that came out, we saw the first hints of it. Like all all economists, I'd love to see the next few quarters of data. My hunch is that we're going to see very weak results on those items in the inflation basket, and that's why inflation is going to keep falling. And, 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 of course, the previous RBA governor... Glenn Stevens, <laughs> yeah. has been earmarking international inflation on every statement. So I guess what you and I are trying to do here is give context, given what's going on in the world at the moment in relation to other countries' inflation, what he means by that. He's not he's just going, oh, well, you know, I'm going to put interest rates up if the US inflation number is really high. It's not about that. It's about what we import from their their inflation numbers, what we import from China in relation to its inflation numbers. If they are going in the right direction, which is what the RBA RBA is looking at the, all the time, um, and I presume they're still going to look at these things, um, if the rest of the world is starting to reduce its inflation numbers but not, not look like they're going to go into recession and you know, s- still stay alive, that's pretty good news for us. It is good news. And, in fact, your your point is a very good one. There's this chart. I have to confess, I can't remember where it is. You can possibly Google it, dear listeners. But it just shows it's got US, Canada, New Zealand, UK, Europe, Australia, and I think Japan, their annual inflation rates on a chart, you know, red line, blue line, green line. And while they're all a little bit different, pre-pandemic, they're all bouncing around 2 or 2.5%, maybe 3%. Maybe. They all shot up and they're all coming down. So we are part of a global economy. This globalisation, you know, of, of airfares and things like that too, which are sort of services. So you think, the, you know, you could go any airline you want and they'll charge you more or less the same to go from Australia to Europe or to Asia or to the US, whatever. They're more or less the same. So, And that's an international price. It's not determined by the locals here, you know, because we th- there's arbitrage opportunities there. All that goes to show that we are part of the global economy. So when I see inflation in China at zero, I see inflation in the US down to three, Canada down to 2.8. Their inflation rates, this is the annual inflation rate. When I see those, it's just a matter of time before we, well, we won't go to zero like China, but like the US, Canada, Europe, we'll be tracking lower and lower when the next few quarters of data come out. You know, we're, we are probably three months behind. You know, we're, we're a long way away geographically from these other centres and while our financial markets react to the US and whatever's happening in the global economy, it takes a few months for stuff to get sent here. So the retailers have got a warehouse full of stuff that they paid more for six months ago. They still want to sell it. But when they get that cheaper stuff in, and if the economy here is a bit weaker, they might have to have a bit more discounting. I'm, I know it's a long way away till the Christmas uh, sales period, but if the economy's soft, I reckon we're going to see some pretty heavy discounting. And by definition, that's lower inflation. Okay, so that's a, that's global or international affairs. 
domestically, um, we have a, cu- a couple of outliers in terms of price increases. And we're talking about gas, electricity, those sorts yeah. of things. Um, will the RBA park those things and say that they're uh, one-offs? The reason I'm hesitating is because I'm not sure. So it's like dwelling rent is the other one. Yeah. Insurance is the other one. So there's a whole there's these, these things that have gone up not because interest rates were too low. Like insurance premiums have gone up because of the floods, you know, the higher risk from bushfires and all this other stuff. They've gone up a lot. Uh, same with dwelling rent. But are they it's, one-offs? Do you think they're – I think, I think they are one-offs. Yep. Yeah, sure, the insurance that we're all paying and, you know, the electricity prices that we're paying and gas prices, they're up. But there's – and they will feed into the inflation data. The, the, the gross number, yes. But, and this is an important but, a little bit like, then there's been plenty of examples this year. Mark, you and I have spoken about these. Remember Cyclone Yazi, I think it was, blew away all the bananas I in that. Queensland. And we also had but, the lettuce problem. But And the lettuce problem a year ago. Yep. You know, uh, the floods. The lettuce went to 10 bucks. Yeah. A lettuce from yep. 2 bucks, $2.50. That did impact inflation, even though they're not the biggest items, but they, the fact that they went up five times in price, that added half a percent to the inflation rate. Now, Long, long-winded way to answer your question, the RBA is not going to hike interest rates because the price of lettuce went up because of a flood or bananas went up because of a cyclone. The question about energy, like electricity, insurance, is if there is a second-round effect, they get a little bit worried. If it's one-off, they'll probably just take a deep breath and say, look, look at the trimmed mean, the underlying inflation rate yep. rather than the headline figure. The second-round effect, by that I mean, is if the business sector is paying that and they say, gee, my cost of running my business has gone up. I'm going to pass it on. So the price of my cappuccinos, because I'm paying more insurance to ins- you know, for my insurance and all this other stuff, I've got to pass it on. That's when they start to get a little bit worried. I think at this stage a lot of those things are more uh, localised to the household sector rather than a more broadly based, and a lot of it's happened already. Uh, if you look at you know the numbers that came out, you know some of those insurance numbers and the like were in in the inflation numbers of the last twelve months. They're already there, and I know there's another hike in the, uh, energy prices coming from the first of July. We'll see the data soon, um, but I still think that the RBA will and certainly should look past those. You know, hiking interest rates isn't going to cause the electricity price to fall. Yeah. Will it? No. It might well, we cause- can't use less electricity. No, it's, it's a given. Yeah. It's sort of like an essential. It's, one, it's Again, it's this essential versus discretionary, right? If the price of cappuccinos falls because no one's buying them because, oh, I've got to save my money, I've got to pay my mortgage, fine, that's good, you know, <laughs> unless you're the cappuccino man. Uh, but if it's, it's essentials, you don't want to crunch the economy because of something that's outside the interest rate control. Right. So if we now look at, you and I talk about this all the time, but if we look at the, we, we had a 6% number, um, if we go back and look at just the last three months, what was what was the last three months? And if you yeah. just extrapolated forward, not going up or down, we just yeah. say just still the same. What are we looking June at? June quarter zero point eight percent for the quarter. Yeah, and so less than one percent. Less than one percent. So if you, a quarter is a quarter of a year, so multiply it by four to get an annualized figure mm. three point two. Yeah, that makes so, a bit of sense to me. Yes, and in fact, the one of the things that annoys me, I must confess, is when you're looking at, say, the annual inflation number of 6%, in the September quarter last year, when the CPI was 1.8%, that came out in the September quarter. We got the December quarter data. It was still in the year-on-year figure, still in the year-on-year figure, and it still is in the year-on-year figure. So the RBA can't hike because of that same number. They've got to look at the 
the turning point. Yeah. And that 0. 0.8 is a really important issue. And next quarter, that 1.8 will drop out of your run rate. So just assume we get another 0. 0.8 for argument's yep. sake. Your annual inflation drops by from 6 to 5. Yeah. And then we've got another 1 point something. I can't remember the exact profile now. And if we get another 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, all of a sudden you're down towards 3%. So our run rate is going to be like less than 1% per quarter. you're dropping the stuff out yeah. from 6, 9, and 12 months Which ago. Which was not being affected by interest rates. Correct. And that's that, that's why they hiked. Yeah. It's not why they need to hike now. Yeah. Okay. So, so we've got international, international inflation numbers and GDP is in our favour. Imported yeah. inflation is at an all-time, is, is at a low point, lower point. Um, locally, there are some things which are non-discretionary which are going up, but it may be that they should be stripping those out. Even if they look at the data that's in front of them at the moment, on a quarterly basis, we're in good shape relative to inflation, I'm saying. In other words, interest rates are working. Yes. Um, we now need to go to your board because I need to know what you uh, think. Look, it's a really interesting thing, Mark, and it's changed quite a bit for some of the reasons we've already discussed. But we look at the uh, monetary policy checklist. So GDP was 0.2 in the March quarter. The partial indicators for the June quarter suggest we're going to have another soft result. We're going to have Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Another pretty weak result. So that's neutral. So, you know, the economy's doing okay. On GDP alone, you don't need to hike anymore. You don't need to cut yet either, so it's okay. Inflation, I'm moving for the first time since we've had our checklist here to tightening to neutral, and that's because of the 0.8% for the quarterly. And, in fact, the monthly inflation numbers, because the ABS have put out an experimental monthly consumer price index, in annual terms, it's 5.4. So it's... It's leading the quarterly numbers lower. So, again, you're not quite ready to declare victory against inflation, but, gee, it's looking encouraging for all the reasons we mentioned. The labour market, well, I'm going to leave that in the tightening column, 3.5% unemployment rate. Which, first of all, it's good news, but there is a risk, a slight risk, that wages will be a problem at the moment. I'm going to keep them in the neutral to tightening. They're not quite yet a problem, but... There's still anecdotes of labour shortages, skill shortages. I'm going to have to pay more for my staff, this sort of thing coming through from a lot of the corporate world. So that's sort of more neutral to tightening. Now, international economy, I'm going to whack that over towards neutral to easing. It's slowing down. We mentioned that already. China's weakening. The US, even though growth's still happening, it's slower than it was. Europe's in trouble. Germany's actually in a recession. So we've got the internet. Big New Zealand's in a recession. recession. Yeah, so we've got the economy, enough economies. They're looking pretty, pretty crook. 
house prices, well... It's a bit weird, isn't it's it? A, it's a very weird thing, Mark. I'm going to put that in neutral because we had the peak to trough decline to the early part of 2023, about 9%, 10%. Since February, prices, according to CoreLogic, are up about 4 4.5%. Sydney's up about 7%. Like supply and demand, yeah, we've discussed this in earlier uh, discussions, but that immigration inflow is huge. We're not building enough properties. We've got a shortage and people are buying them. Prices are going up. And that's a pretty broadly based thing. It's across most capital cities too. So house prices, you're not going to hike because house prices are edging up, but you're not going to cut either because they're not destroying wealth and that sort of discussion. Retail sales, grim. They're easing. We consumers, we're not silly. You know, we're confronting cost of living pressures, the mortgage servicing costs, is, again, they've gone up for most people on a sort of a new average mortgage. They're paying $1,000 a month, if not more, if not quite a bit more in the big cities with big mortgages per month because of interest rates going up. That's $1,000 plus that they're not spending elsewhere. That's 12 Three, grand a year, which, is a good, which a they've got to earn about $16,000 extra. Correct. And so, that. therefore, retail sales have been trending down and down and down, and in fact, they're they're really weak. So the retailers are under a fair bit of pressure right now. So, and that actually, and, and don't forget that retail spending or consumer spending more broadly is over half of GDP. So, yeah, we were talking about risk of recession, or will GDP be negative or just small positive? If you've got consumers staying at home, you know, yeah, not going out for dinner as much, you know, eating, cooking at home rather than eating out, that's fine. But it actually. If you're the restaurant owner, you're in you're in trouble because no one's going there anymore because it's too expensive. Now, consumer sentiment, miserable again. We consumers, you know, we're seeing cost of living rate hikes. That's a similar thing to the retail sales. Building approvals. Well, we had a bit of a jump last month. It was one development in New South Wales. They are still really weak. If I was to sort of think about why, what's going to get a property developer to build, interest rates are a big issue. We don't, in fact, we should be cutting rates to encourage more construction. I know it doesn't work quite that simply, but that's that's the case. Business investment, that's a decent thing. That's going well. We need it. It adds to our productivity. Again, productivity has been one of these bugbears for the economy for, oh, 10 years now, or maybe even longer. Australians, we sort of do okay, but our productivity is not great. We need more CapEx, more business investment. Business confidence, it's okay. Commodity prices, well, I said they were falling before. They've come back up a bit. I'm going to put that in neutral, you know, because the price of oil's come up a bit. Copper, lumber, wheat, you know, the Ukraine-Russian thing, We so it doesn't get quite the headlines that it used to, but there are consequences for a lot of food, for vegetable oils and things. So there's, you know, the, the, the wheat, really important parts of, um, you know, the food production process that are impacting. Stock markets edged up. I'm going to stick that in neutral. You know, it doesn't really have a big impact. And current rates, I'm moving to the slightly easy because 4.1% cash rate is very tight. We've had 400 points of rate hikes in about 15 months. We don't need to cut them, but I don't think we need to hike them. So we've only got one red dot in tightening. Yes. And that's the labour market. Yes, I, that's still I, I don't think before we leave today, we uh, we can't, we must cover off something. There's this concept, you know, it says, it's, it's pronounced Nairu, N-A-I-R-U, um, and it r- relates to the labour market and wages and productivity. Um, can you, and, and we're getting a lot of talk about this, as, and uh, for, so for those people who may have come up across this term, what are the economists, particularly the RBA, what are they talking about when they talk about Nairu? 
It's a theoretical concept. Very hard to observe in real life. Like the numbers we just put on our our checklist here, we can see what retail sales were. They were X billion dollars last month. We can see that unemployment is Y percent. Nehru is this concept that the central banks, especially our Reserve Bank, they have a real bee in their bonnet about it. They look at it more than the Fed or the New Zealand. They keep or, talking about they it. They talk about it all the time. And I think they might be over-egging it a little bit. But anyway, it's a concept that... Uh, if you have an unemployment rate that is below Nehru, there are labour shortages and the only way that businesses can hire, because there's not enough workers around, is to put up wages. How do I recoup my wage cost? I put up my selling prices. The wage price spiral happens that way. Turning that on its head, and this is what, well, the what do we call uh, Michelle Bullock, the RBA governor-elect or nominated, starts in September. Uh, she put out a, a speech well, roughly a month ago saying that in her estimate, or the Reserve Bank's estimate, Nehru is about 4.5%, so one percentage point higher than it is today. 140-odd thousand people more unemployed, according to their figuring. And why they have the bee in their bonnet about that is that they're they're worried, genuinely worried, that if the unemployment rate stays at 3.5% and doesn't go up towards Nehru, 4.5%, that wages will increase, that'll feed into inflation, and it makes their job harder to get that inflation rate back to the 2 to 3% target. Now, as you touched on, there's a hot debate going on in the markets. People are now openly saying, look, look we've got unemployment. We've had unemployment for 3.5%, at 3.5% for a year now, more than a year. And what's happened to wages? They're only growing at 3.5%, which is fine. You know, uh, so what's this concern that the RBA has? Their theory is being disproven by facts. So Nehru is the level of unemployment that, in theory, that the RBA would like to see whereby that level of unemployment does not increase wages to such an extent that employers decide that they're going to put up the price of their goods and services. Beautifully summarised in about 20 words. Well done, Mark. Okay. I, I love it. I love it. So, can we, can we trademark it, that one? Yeah, but it is a theory. <laughs> it, is, it is a theory, It's yes. a theoretical number. Correct. But, so uh, we have a new Reserve we, Bank Governor, okay? Yes, we or will she, in whatever September. You, whatever yes. you call her, elect or whatever she is. Uh, nominee. Uh, yeah, whatever, whatever the word is. But <laughs> yeah. um, And she she wrote about this the Tuesday before the last RBA meeting. Yeah. So, so she wrote about it on the, the last Tuesday of the month before the first Tuesday of the next month. So, yeah. <laughs> and I remember reading it and I, I, I looked at it, yeah, come on, dude, don't do that to us. Um, she's sort of suggesting to everybody that they're going to push interest rates up sufficiently to increase unemployment to the Nehru number, which is 4.5%. So in other words, they're going to go from 3.5% to 4.5% unemployment by by way of interest rates. Yeah. So when we stop spending in the retail sector, that um, retailer of furniture, the retailer of you know, hotels and clubs and pubs and restaurants, they're going to hire less staff. That's how it works because, oh, you know, when you're busy, I need 10 staff. Oh, only half the number of people are coming through. I only need five staff. That's five people unemployed. And that's, that's what a, the RBA and is that's, talking about. that's a problem. I think, I mean, socially, yeah. I think it's a problem because oh, people it, it, got mortgages. Socially and economically, and they've got rent to pay and this whole thing. So in a sense, and again, that was the point that some people who were 
critiques of um, that speech and the RBA's 4.5% were saying uh, that extra 1% is about 140,000 people who currently have a job today who will not have a job, i.e. they'll be unemployed, when that 4.5%, I'll call it a soft target for the RBA, is met. 140,000. So if a third of them have a mortgage, a third are renting, and a third of them uh, own their own home outright, um, you know, there's going to be 50-odd thousand people Struggling with their mortgage repayments. And their people, their 50,000 people. And their rent. And their 50,000 people by who can. And they're not going to spend money. And they contribute to the economy. And the con, and, and, and as well as that, they're, uh, uh, those people are, uh, Paying rents and they're buying their consumers who contribute to the, you know, the GDP significantly. I'm going to put it on you now, Steve. So we've gone through your board, but we know the competing interests of the new RBA governor elect, um, Nehru, 4.5% unemployment. What do you think she's going to do? What do you think, not her, but what do you think they're going to do in the next meeting? I think they're on hold. You know, I think, and when we, sort of go through the wording of each statement, the minutes that they put out two weeks after each board meeting. The last few meetings, some which they've paused, some which they actually have hiked 25 points, there's always been a discussion in the last four, I think it's been, do we hold or do we go 25? And it's been roughly 50-50 for the last four meetings, I think it is. This meeting is going to be the same discussion. Do we go 25 or do we hold? The reason why I think we hold or they hold is because of this inflation number that came out. Global inflation pressures that are that are decelerating, as we just discussed, they'll still when they put out their statement. You know, we've kept rates steady, but if there is a move in the next few months, it'll be up, not down. That sort of commentary might might come with it. They will express some concern about maybe the labour market being too tight, so Nehru being a long way away from where we are right now. But I think they can just sit tight. The other thing, Mark, which I think we tend to overlook or can overlook, and this is more as much good luck as it is good management, the government's delivered a $20 billion surplus. Now, good luck, I mean, commodity prices were high and indeed the labour market was stronger. So there's Jim Chalmers, the Treasurer, sitting there raking in the money without doing terribly much, to be honest. But to his credit, and you give him a little bit of credit, he didn't recycle it into the economy. He kept the $20 billion bucks to reduce government debt. Good, That's I, I agree with that after 15 years of deficit. But what that means from this perspective, from the economy's perspective, that's $20 billion surplus. Is $20 billion not in the economy uh, adding to inflation pressures? So we've both got fiscal policy, the budget, the, the moderate budget surplus, interest rate policy, constraining growth, impacting us. We're hunkering down cutting our spending, you know, being very cautious and being a bit nervous, consumer sentiment being bad, and that will feed into lower inflation as businesses realise they can't keep putting up their selling prices. So just to kick, finish off, so in a pure money, money supply or M2, you know, look at what's driving inflation or what's driving inflation down, all the right signs are there in terms of money supply. You Indeed. Know, yes. All the right signs. By the way, <laughs> the opposite of what actually created inflation in the first place because what we were, when, yes. when inflation was there, it was around the other way. Just in 20 seconds or less, remember why we got from 2% to 8% yeah. inflation at the end of last year. The government, again, it was COVID, so I'm not being critical at all because we didn't know what on earth that COVID meant for society and for the economy. They printed money. 
hundreds of billions of dollars. They cut rates to zero. This is globally, not just in Australia, but around the world. In fact, the US, I think they spent a couple of trillion dollars. Like, that's a lot of money. I don't even know how many zeros that is. Um, but there was all that money, liquidity, M2. It was flooding around the economy. And for a moment there, when we were stuck at home, we couldn't spend it. You know, it didn't show up in the data. But as soon as we got vaccinated, as soon as we got let out of the house, bang, off we went. And then businesses thought, gee, I'm going to put up my selling prices. Supply chain problems meant that we couldn't get these things. So for those lucky people who had an inventory of cars or whatever, they jacked up their prices. And that's where the inflation rate came from. We're in the well, I'd say we're halfway through, maybe a little bit more than halfway through, that transition of money being sucked out of the economy. And by the end of this year, certainly by this time next year, we'll probably have these inflation rates around the world sort of close to the targets that the central banks want them. We won't get there overnight, but we're getting there. And the momentum in the last, what, uh, six months has been in the right direction. I'll put you on the spot. Did Dr Lowe do the right thing? Theoretically, in theory, because Look, you know, I'm not talking about yeah. I'm not talking about what he did during COVID. I'm talking about this. As soon as inflation started to show his ugly head, has he done the right job? Do you know what? He might be looked at better in 12 to 18 months' time than he was the last 12 months. Definitely more favourably, I think. Because if 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 by this time next year inflation's at two and a half unemployment's only at four, so maybe a little bit below that four and a half. The economy muddled through this second half of the year. You know, no recession. No recession. It'll it'll be weak, but no recession. And that, you know, Michelle Bullock as governor can then start cutting rates because inflation's back under control and around the world inflation's falling. So we'll look back at Dr Lowe's time thinking, well, maybe, mate, you did the right thing. Maybe you actually did okay. And even at the time we're all screaming and shouting, saying, oh, yeah, um, you're doing too much, too too late in the cycle. We've got to remember that that verbal error, if we can call it that, no hikes till 2024, which he's still being chastised about. Look, that was a mistake. Who hasn't made a mistake? Put up your hands if you haven't. I've made plenty. Uh, that was a mistake. He acknowledged that. But in hindsight, he learned from it. You know, that's the other thing that he's done. And uh, alas, we'll see. But <laughs> I reckon when we do this... Uh, Early, early in the new year, we might be saying, "Gee, Doctor Lowe did a pretty good job in the end, didn't he?" We'll have to. Oh, I'll have to eat a bit, a little bit of humble pie if that's the case. Me too. Yeah, but we'll soon see. Thanks, mate. Good to talk to you. <laughs> thanks, Mark. Terrific. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.